Pickleball Rocks is the world leader in pickleball apparel. Click the link in the show notes and visit pickleballrocks.com. From Bainbridge Island to the villages, Malaga, Spain to Malibu, California, Paris, France to Paris, Texas, it's the number one rated pickleball podcast in the world. It's the Pickleball Show with Chris Allen. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, heading up just outside of Portland, Oregon, to talk with a gentleman who has been around pickleball for many, many years. Always great to talk to him, always full of great insights. Of course, I'm talking about Steve Peranto. Hey, Steve, how are you doing today? Hey, Chris, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. I was just counting the years when you mentioned how long (laughs) I played. I'm going on 44 years of playing pickleball. Wow. Lucky to have you in so many respects. You know, your dad is uh, inducted, one of the original inductees into the Pickleball Hall of Fame. Hope he's doing well. We just got him situated in a senior uh, living home. He's having a great time being active there and uh, just developing a new routine for him. But things are going great. That's great. I'm glad. And so, I mean, you've you've seen Pickleball throughout the decades. Uh, One of the big reasons I wanted to talk to you today, because I feel like, you know, maybe we're we're a little bit at a cross roads and uh, things might have to change or, or reorient a little bit to make that leap into a worldwide sport. I know Scott Moore has talked about, you know, having pickleball in the Olympics and he and his son, national champion Daniel Moore, I mean, they go over to China and they've introduced pickleball to uh, to uh, a, a lot of communities in China. I want to kind of talk about some things, not just today, but just an ongoing conversation about the future of pickleball and what we need to do to uh, to move it forward. In terms of, of looking back uh, through those 44 years, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, when Pickleball first started out, it was, it was really thought of as just kind of a, they were going to sell it in a box. It was going to be, you know, on the shelf at the, you know, the local you know, department store next to lawn darts and Skittle Bowl and stuff like that. Remember, remember all those Skittle oh, games yeah. in the 70s? Skittle toss sure. and Skittle bowl yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. I mean, that was the original concept, wasn't it, for pickleball? Yeah. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with those original inventors of the game back in that day when they were first coming up with Pickleball Incorporated and starting that company. And I remember it was kind of cool to go to the store and see, look at, there's a box set and look who's on the, you know, on the pictures <laughs> on the box were the guys that we knew we played against. So um, yeah. I think some of those original boxes that they boxed it in are at the uh, Hall of Fame at Pickleball Station. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Um, when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of the things that you think might need to change. Uh, some growing pains maybe that we might need to go through in order to take it to that next level. It's the Pickleball Show. Time out, baby! Yeah! Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and pickleball players. In fact, over half of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. Just as good drivers save money on their car insurance, people who live an active lifestyle should save money on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com pickleball and see if you qualify. That's healthiq.com pickleball. You'll find a link in the show notes, healthiq.com pickleball. See how much Health IQ can save you. 
Thank you for listening to The Pickleball Show. I'm Chris Allen, joined by Steve Peranto. When we talk about growing pickleball, and everybody sort of says, I, you know, I want to support the sport and I want to grow the sport. I always feel like when I'm talking to somebody and they say that, half the people are talking about growing the sport out and the other half are talking about growing the sport up. And what I mean by growing it out is... They want pickleball at every rec center and like you said, in public schools and and, uh, you know, you can drive by and there's every couple of miles, there's a, a place to play. That's growing the sport out. Growing it up is having it on television, having, you know, prize money, having it where pros can actually make a living playing pickleball, having it in the Olympics and play it around the world um, and recognized as more of a sport, just like uh, badminton, volleyball. Is that a fair assessment that half the people are talking about one thing and the other half are talking about something else? No, I think you're right. But but I do think, you know, when you when you talk to the top players that really want this to be a sport that they can make a living at. Now we're talking about growing it up. You know, you just mentioned two of the sports like volleyball and badminton that are in the Olympics. One thing that was a little bit holding them back was when they had the type of scoring where we had side out serving. Those sports have gone to rally scoring and it's benefited them as far as growing up. What was the benefit? Was it like a television time thing or what was the big benefit? that was that's part of the, the issue. You know, if you're on a network, they want to know about how long a match is going to last, mm-hmm. and that's really difficult to predict with the uh, side out scoring. That's one thing. The other thing is they want to be able to have spectators that can turn it on and understand. Well, they won the rally; they got a point. Wait, how come they didn't get a point? You know, now as a teacher, as someone who teaches a lot of people how to play pickleball, one of the hardest things for me to teach is how to keep score. That's everybody's first question is, why are they saying three numbers? What the, what three are the three numbers? numbers? Right. Yeah. And that was my first yeah. question. What's the deal with the three numbers? And uh, right. so, yeah. And uh, so the, the, the side out scoring, pickleball is the last sport, the last holdout for side out scoring. Do you remember, I can look right. it up, I'm sure on the internet, what was badminton first and then volleyball followed a few years later? They were right They were right about the same time. Badminton was about five years ago. Mm-hmm. The friends that I know that were top level badminton players, they all kind of fought it just like we we're fighting it. You get used to something, you want to keep it that way. And then once it changed, you never heard them complain about it anymore. <laughs> One of the reasons it's, so, it's much simpler, you know, originally we copied badminton scoring. That's how we have our scoring. Mm -hmm. That's how we have three numbers. Now badminton has switched to, um, they don't have to say three numbers. You say your score and their score. If you win a rally, you get a point. If you are on the right side, you're serving with an even number. If you get the win a rally and uh, you you have an odd number, your team has an odd number, your left person is serving. Much easier, much easier to figure out. What about in terms of, of tournaments? And uh, this, uh, yeah, we, uh, I'll, I'll bounce this off Melissa McCurley the next time that, that she joins us uh, with a tournament. You know, it, will it help the tournament schedule uh, that day to run on time, uh, make the matches more, yeah. more predictable, and you could kind of know ahead of time and keep things running smoothly? The matches would certainly be more predictable on the length. So I'm sure they would enter that into their computers. They would have a program for that that figured out how long the matches were. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure it would be much easier to run it on time, although Melissa's great at that as it is. Oh, but, yeah, that's for sure. And yeah. um, one yeah. thing, I mean, in terms of rec play, too, 
I hate it when you're the, you know, say there's there's five people, you know, left at the end of the day and you're the fifth person. You're standing there waiting for the game to end and it's, you know, nine to two or something like that. And it's like, all right, come on, come on, just wrap it up, wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, and, you know? and then always guess who gets the hot streak at the end of two. I know, and, and it, it keeps back going back and, nine, and forth. And then it's 17, 15. Or what. You know, uh, the other thing I looked at on the badminton scoring the way they do it now, they, they uh, top off. If a game is to 21, say, um, I'm, now I'm throwing this number out there, but they do have a limit. So like 27 is it. So okay. you win by two, but once you get to a point, now it's win by one. So again, that limits how long those matches are going to last. You're not going to have a match be 35-33. Right. So it's just, yeah, so it's win by two, game to 21, win by two, and then cap it at 27 because then it's whoever gets to 27. If it's 27, 26, then we're done. Whoever's got the 27, that's it. Okay. Right. Yeah. That, uh, that, that makes sense. You were around badminton and and no people that were what, I guess, what was the tipping point? Yeah. Well, one of my friends is in fact, he's, and I met him through pickleball. His name is Henry Painter. He's a top nationally ranked badminton player for 65 and over. He's from Canada Mm -hmm. and his argument against it, was that he prided himself in being in very top physical shape. And so long, long matches were to his benefit to win. Mm-hmm. So he liked a match being side out, side out, side out, side out, because he was in such good shape. So that that's one argument against that is teams that they, they rely on their fitness to win matches. Even though he knew it wasn't to his benefit, he's still winning. It didn't make any <laughs> difference. I mean, he's still winning. So. Yeah. Um, I guess it didn't make that much difference, and he's not complaining about it. He, he wasn't really worried that uh, about the new system, but he said most people were fighting it like we do. But that's normal with uh, changes, I, I think. I've never played a rally scoring game. Uh, you have. Right. What, how do you change your strategy? What's the difference? Right. Well, I, and I did it with uh, senior students of mine who were very good. They're, these are four, five, five zero players. And they haven't, they've only been playing uh, pickleball seriously for this group that I tried this with about two weeks ago for about half a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're very, they're winning medals at 5 uh, for seniors. And uh, they liked it. But remember, they haven't, they also haven't been playing for 20 years like many of these people that just want, you know, this is the way pickleball is. I don't want it to change. Yeah. Um, but they liked it. But, you know, I did have to look up how are we going to play this rally scoring? And, and, and then when I found out how badminton has simplified everything, well, this makes sense. This is easier to understand, easier to teach, and the games will be closer. In fact, all our games that we, we play, we're rotating around, and they were pretty close games. How would you change your strategy, or would you at all? I always play pickleball based on percentages. If you break it down that way, it wouldn't make any sense to change your strategy. Okay. You're, it's still you're still trying to win that rally, aren't you? Doesn't matter if you're if you're the serving team or the receiving team. You're still trying to win that rally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't see how. And I've heard people argue with that. Well, they'll go, well, when I'm the service team, I'll take more chances. Yeah, I've heard that too. But to me, a lot of people who say that they're also losers <laughs> uh, because they're not they're not playing by the uh, you know by uh, by percentages. So yeah. I, I think you would play the same way. Hey, well, I got you on the phone. I want to get some playing tips from you. You are not just a pickleball historian and uh, visionary forward thinker. You're one of pickleball's best uh, instructors as well. So we're going to get some playing tips. When we come back, it's the Pickleball Show. I'm out, baby, yeah!
Find out for yourself why almost half the medals awarded in the pro division of this year's U.S. Open were won using an Engage paddle. To really get what makes Engage the best, you need to walk onto the court with one. Go to EngagePB.com and try any paddle risk-free for 30 days. You're guaranteed to play with more power and more control than you've ever experienced before. Or simply return it for a full refund. Engage will even cover the shipping. Play better, have more fun, and take your place on the medal stage. Go to EngagePB.com. PickleballNews.com is the place to go to make sure you're getting our free email newsletter, keeping you up to date with everything in the pickleball world, tournament announcements, equipment deals, travel discounts, a whole lot more. PickleballNews.com, the latest videos, the latest techniques, everything is there for you, and we want your opinion too. We do opinion polls, so make your voice heard and participate in those. Go to pickleballnews.com. Make sure you're part of our free email newsletter. Here is Steve Peranto. We did a poll last night, Steve. Oh, I think I might have even participated in that one. Oh, okay. That was just about the kitchen line. I was curious yeah, about that. Yeah. So what were the results of that? That's an interesting one. Let's go to it. We'll go over to pickleballnews.com. And we'll click on opinion and we'll see this poll. So I had gotten an email from a very nice lady and she talked about how she uh, she teaches pickleball on their local school's badminton courts. And she says, you know, that right. badminton six line is six, six inches. inches yeah, just six inches off. And so she was wondering if I'm sure a lot of people have thought, well, how much difference could six inches really make? And uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which way uh, did you, uh, if you don't mind, I know the votes are all anonymous, but which way did you vote? The three, you had three choices, either uh, right. six inches or more closer to the net, uh, six inches or more farther from the net, or leave it alone, everything's just perfect the way it is. You mind uh, revealing the way oh, you no, vote? Oh, no, I don't mind at all. I'm leave it alone, and I'll tell you exactly why. I've, I've played tournaments where uh, on the badminton lines because the schools wouldn't allow us to move it to uh, to put tape down six inches back. And my partner, luckily enough, is Randy Beiter, who's six six and uses his length really well. So we <laughs> destroyed everybody. Nobody could dink the ball close enough to the net. The future of pickleball is going to be about length. And the worst thing you could do would be get that line closer uh, when that's maybe even going to be a, a, a detrimental issue of the game is that height will take over like it has in volleyball and basketball. The problem with moving it back High-level strategy in pickleball is, you know, dink, 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 and maybe throw up a volley lob, a quick volley lob. Well, you never want to throw up a, a, a volley lob if people are even six inches behind that kitchen line because your balls are going out if you're playing good people. So you're, you're taking, you'd be taking away one of the biggest strategies in the game. It just so happens that the inventors, I feel, made that line the perfect spot. That is one of the things that uh, that Barney McCallum mentioned when Melissa and I talked with him. He said they messed with it. They went a little bit back, a little bit forward, and they, and they just they locked in on that seven feet and thought that was exactly where it should be. And it looks like you and 77% of Pickleball News readers agree the non-volley zone line is perfect right where it is. 
21 percent 21 percent said it should be six inches farther from the net or more and only two percent said to scoot that uh, line up a little bit closer to the net so it looks like uh seven feet is where everybody uh pretty much thinks it should be and it's perfect right where it is so don't mess with it so uh, i guess uh, to that lady who is nice enough to send the email and uh you know teaching on the on the badminton court you're just gonna have to pony up for some masking tape or uh, something like that or some court right. tape and uh, and make an extra line there another six inches back now steve you're one of the best coaches of pickleball not only in the country but in the world uh always enjoy your videos on your youtube channel and we will link to your YouTube channel in the show notes here. And uh, everybody take a look at uh, Steve's videos. Steve, what kind of playing tip can you share with us today? Well, you know, it's going to sound like you're hearing this from many, many coaches. And and that is we want to keep your swing so simple. We don't want big swings. We want simple, short swings. We don't want the racket face angles changing much during a swing. We want you as close to that no volley zone as we can get you when you get up there. I just heard Stephanie Lane mention this on your show the other day. If you want to give unattackable balls, make sure those balls are bouncing well in front of your opponents. You can do that all day. You're going to be a good dinker. Just those things right there. I, the, the biggest thing, though, I would say is I want to shorten up almost almost everybody that comes to my house for lessons. Uh, we shorten up their swings. Is part of it that so many people come from a tennis background that they just want to, they're, they're used to taking that tennis wind up? Actually, it could be just about any sport. People are used to taking big swings. If they're a baseball player, they're a golfer. They're thinking, you know, more is, means more. I get more power. I swing harder. But actually, you know, this game is more about control rather than power. If you really want to control the ball, you need to keep things short, short, short. One last thing, too, I'd like to say, and you'll watch the top players are doing this all the time. They preset their paddle face. Speaking of keeping it short, not only do they keep their swing short, but they preset their paddle face to go right where they want that ball to go so there's no flicking involved at impact. That's my, um, that is my, that I, I, I joke about how I need to get some sort of a wrist brace as if I've got uh, a broken wrist because I am, I am just, I always want to flick that paddle and that ball goes yeah. out and I stand there and go, God, if you had just stuck your paddle out and froze it, it would have been fine, but you flicked it and now right. it's out. <laughs> and that's just, when you, when you're flicking your wrist, that means your paddle's going through impact zone, the area that you need to hit the ball you're just creating a small impact zone for success where the people that are locking it and presetting it, they have a larger impact zone for success. So even on their days where their timing isn't perfect, they still are good players. How do you define presetting the paddle? Do you mean the angle? Yeah. So a good, a good example is you, you watch, uh, I'm going to give an example of Kyle Yates because he's always doing this with his backhand cross-court dinks and his forehand cross-court dinks. Mm-hmm. He may be, Wes Gabrielson may be on the other side slicing a, a backhand right to uh, Kyle's forehand. Now that's a tough, tough slice to handle if you've ever been on the other side of the net, Wes Gabrielson <laughs> slicing a backhand dink. But Kyle keeps it simple, simple, simple. The paddle's already pointed cross-court. And it's short. He's preset his paddle. It's already there. Less to go wrong. And, and, you know, that's what these guys are trying to do is have less things go wrong. And then when they get a long route, they get a rally. And then finally, now I got my chance. Finally, I get to hit a ball downward or 
the top pros have what I call a top spin window. They're not actually, they're still hanging it up because of their top spin volley windows. They have large ones, by the way. They're <laughs> able to be aggressive with shots that the average person can't be. Steve, always a pleasure to talk to you. This is going to continue on, uh, not just the rally scoring debate, but uh, some other things, too, that uh, I think and, uh, and many others think might need to change and evolve for pickleball to go to that next level. And uh, always value your insights and your opinions and uh, want to make sure to have you back and uh, we'll talk about some of the other things too. Okay, thanks Chris. Always great to talk with Steve Peranto. Gives us a lot to think about. Coming up next week, a big announcement, a huge announcement. Can't wait to tell you about it. That will be in next week's episode. Until then, head over to Pickleball News. Make sure you're getting our newsletter and if you like this show, you like the Pickleball show, you want to make sure that other Pickleball players around the world can find it go over to itunes apple podcasts and leave us one of those five-star reviews if you feel it's appropriate sure would appreciate it i'm chris allen this is the pickleball show